0: Welcome to the Saturday morning meditation meetup. Um thanks everyone for coming. Uh for those there are enough new faces here that I'd like to actually give a little bit of a discussion of what we do here which is um so I am uh I'm a student of dasa's I am not an expert in the sense of I know more than everybody else on this call. Um I probably know a fair amount, but uh for example Gilbert is is very knowledgeable about meditation. Gilbert will often answer questions that I don't answer. And I will often answer questions that Gilbert don't answer. And sometimes sometimes we'll both answer the same question in different ways. Um, there are other folks who show up on the call who um, also do that. And if you have something to add, you're always welcome to add it. Um, the main focus of the call is uh, people have questions about their meditation practice. Things are going well. Things are going poorly. They have some question they want answered. And this is the place to ask it. So... Um, we used to go around and just ask everybody how they were doing, but that wound up being so time consuming that we got less meditation debugging done. So the real focus is meditation debugging. so that's why we're here. So welcome and uh, is anybody uh, ready to debug their meditation practice? or Or anything else? Whatever you got? Should I start? You should. Absolutely.
1: Uh, sorry, guys. I'm new here. Um, I don't have a mic. I mean, not not a mic. I don't have a cam. So, sorry about that. Um, so the reason why I um, go on, oh, The reason why I joined the call is um, so I've been meditating using TMI for about eight months, and you know the first initial uh, three stages were pretty smooth. Uh, once I got into, I guess late stage three, I'm assuming, uh-huh. and into early stage four, um, I've been like stuck there for about five months. For now, I've tried everything. Like I try, I try to meditate um, anywhere from an hour thirty minutes to two hours every day uh-huh. uh, in the morning, and I try to um, try to like notice the difference between. I guess, uh, my forgetting and subtle dullness or strong donuts. Like I, I I can't really notice the difference between them because my, uh, when I, when I start meditating, my, my early 40 minutes are usually, I can, um, notice the aha moment and I try to get back to my breath Mm -hmm. and you know, after about 40 minutes, I could be uh, like, I could be continuously aware of my breath. Mm-hmm. And then after like, like 50 and Mark, it seems like I get even more distracted. Like I get more like distractions as the sitting goes on. I get more frustrated, more, more resistance mm-hmm. starts forming in my mind. And, you know, I try to be very just accepting, you know, yep. Um, try to be just just let it let it like let it come, let it be, let it go, that attitude. But you know, distractions keep happening. It it never I never become, I guess, quite calm and peaceful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was wondering if um if I'm still like stuck in stage three or stage two even. Like I am not even sure if I'm in stage four because I feel like I'm I'm more distracted towards ends and end of my sit. So
0: yeah. So uh, I I I uh about that in particular, um, the fact that you're able to be in stage four for a certain amount of time, and then it starts to drop um, when you don't want it to, it sounds like you're motivated, like you'd like it to, to you'd like the meditation to continue, but it's not continuing, sort of. Yeah. Um, that's interesting, right? Uh, if, if, if what was happening was that you were just going on and after a while, you just kind of were like, okay, well, I've, I've, I've got to my peak and I'm satisfied. That that would be one thing to watch out for, and that happens to people. But that doesn't sound like what's going on for you. Um, I'm wondering. Uh, so a couple of things. First of all, uh, when you say that you notice the aha moment, um, yeah. So so let's postulate for the moment that you are in stage four, because that's what it sounds like to me. Um, so if you're if you're still working on noticing the aha moment, um, mm-hmm. that's really a stage two practice more than a stage four practice. It's not that there aren't aha moments in stage four, but the aha moment is less of a big deal in stage four Mm -hmm. um, in the sense that what you're really looking for in stage four are two things. You're looking for noticing gross dullness happening or noticing a progressive subtle dullness happening. Mm -hmm. And you're looking for subtle distractions happening. And what you want to have happen is when a subtle distraction happens, you notice the subtle distraction immediately and you immediately release it. Now that doesn't mean that necessarily the subtle distraction goes away. It doesn't always go away. Sometimes it'll be something that's very insistent. You can't, you can't make it go away. Um, and if that happens, then what you really want to do is just try to keep it in peripheral awareness. It's okay. If it's still there, the goal of Mm -hmm. stage four is not to get your mind completely silent, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the only way that happens in stage four is if you get into stable, subtle, subtle dullness, which is a good result, but it's, it's not the end of the, TMI my practice right so, um, yeah. so 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 what I would suggest is that you is that you see if when you're sitting um, you can notice whether you're whether you're actually forming the intention to notice subtle distractions and release them when they come up um, oh, okay and so so that's that's one thing to focus on if you're having issues with dullness that will be difficult to do mm-hmm. uh, if you have dullness then what'll happen is is often you'll you'll notice the distraction but you just won't do anything about it or or you won't notice the distraction at all until it's become a gross distraction at which point it's it's big enough that even with the dullness you can still notice it right mm-hmm. so yeah so those are kind of like stage four is really fussy because there's like all of these things going on and there isn't just one thing for you to do you kind of have to be watching out for a couple things at the same time and so uh so so that's kind of what you want to do like uh, what I found fruitful in stage four is, for example, notice that, uh, try to notice that, that, um, that a subtle distraction has come before it turns into a gross distraction. Now, if you find yourself in a gross distraction, meaning a distraction that's like taking up a fair amount of your attention and is lasting for a while, right? If you yeah. find yourself in a gross distraction, then that is very clear evidence that you had a subtle distraction mm-hmm. before that. Now, if you find yourself in that gross distraction, you don't remember noticing the subtle distraction, then that means that you didn't have enough sharpness to notice the subtle distraction. Mm -hmm. So two things you can do there. One is simply like when you notice that you, that that's happened. Okay. So here I am, I'm in, I'm in gross dullness and I didn't, Mm -hmm. I'm in gross distraction and I didn't notice the distraction that was the seed of my gross distraction. Okay. I am going to try and notice that next time. And -hmm. then you just go back to doing the practice. And at some point you'll find yourself either noticing a subtle distraction or you'll find yourself back in gross distraction. Those are both fine. Whichever Mm -hmm. one you notice, just renew the intention. Oh, I'm going to try and notice the subtle distraction. I found that if you do that, it usually doesn't work the first couple of times, but after a while it works. So that's one thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Um, in addition to that, though, um, if you're having issues with, uh, with dullness, um, one thing that can be helpful is to think about what your expectations are in the meditation. So uh, when I first started meditating, I had this expectation that I would sit and uh, at some point there would be an absence of uh, uh, external stimulus. Like I wouldn't be... All I would be experiencing would be the breath and that I wouldn't be experiencing, for example, the sounds of birds chirping or, uh, you know, somebody slammed a door. That just wouldn't really register. Like, you know, maybe You know, I had some idea that maybe something would be there, but it wouldn't register. In stage four, um, in particular, that is not going to happen. Um, and that's not even desirable. The problem with that is that it, it sort of can happen in stage four, but the way it happens is by shrinking your uh, available moments of attention. Mm-hmm. So, so, so basically shrinking awareness to the point where, where it's just, there's, it's so small that nothing's appearing in it except the breath. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the, way that that, the, the only way to shrink awareness like that is to have uh, sort of less moments of perception. And if you have fewer moments of perception, then you're not going to experience the sounds of the birds, and you're not going to experience maybe you probably experience the door slamming because that's kind of loud, but you're not going to experience a lot of the things in the environment that you might think of as distractions, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but you you actually want to experience those things. You just don't want them to distract your attention. So so this is where the you know where Chula Das's big thing about attention awareness really comes into play is like. You actually want, when you're sitting in, when when your attention is stable on the breath, you still, until you get to to the point of of pacification of the senses, which is like in the later stages, you still want to be hearing all of those other things. They just, you want attention not to go to them. So when the bird chirps, the bird is just chirping. Attention is still on the breath. Mm -hmm. Attention doesn't waver to the bird, but the bird is still chirping and you're still aware that the bird is chirping. It's just not in attention, and you're not thinking a bird is chirping or anything like that. And you're not thinking, oh, that bird chirping might be distracting. There's all these things that you do in stage four that, um, where stuff happens in attention or in awareness, and you're like, oh my god, that's going to distract me, or that's a distraction, and you get distracted by that. But mm-hmm. but you need to kind of let go of that. Don't have the expectation of, of the environment being silent. In fact, if you find that the technique that I was describing earlier, where you go looking for a subtle distraction, and you don't find it for a while. If you find that you just can't find it, like it, you always wind up coming back to gross distraction, then um, then that's evidence that you're that you have some pretty serious dullness going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not at the point where you're falling asleep yet, which is good. You caught it early. So now do something about it. And what you do about it is, what I found is very helpful, uh, and Chuladasa talks about this, is so extrospective awareness, awareness of what's happening in the environment. Mm-hmm. Try to find something really subtle in the environment. I live out in the country, so for me, something really subtle in the environment is the sound of a car driving down the interstate or the sound of a truck braking on the interstate about a mile and a half away on the other side of a mountain. It's very subtle. I can barely hear it. But if I go looking for that and I find it, then my mental acuity, my, my sharpness has gone up hugely. Mm -hmm. And then if I go back and try to do finding subtle distractions, it's much easier. Mm -hmm. So, so those are the, and and these are just two techniques I'm suggesting. The real thing to, to, to recognize is like that this is the process you need to be able to notice Mm -hmm. dullness before Mm it prevents you from, from doing your practice and you need to learn to notice subtle distractions um, and not only notice them, because you what you may find that you notice the subtle distraction, but you don't do anything about it. Um, mm-hmm. So you need to notice the subtle distraction and you need to intend to do something about it. Um, now, I've gone on kind of a long time about this, but I want to say one more thing. I, I hope this is helpful. Um, when uh, When you're doing all of these things, it's important not to get too attached to outcomes because it's really easy to think, you know, I am going to make it happen that my breath will the, my attention will be on the breath and, you know, really try to like do this thing where you're like constantly watching and, and constantly vigilant.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's never going to get you out of stage four. Um, you, in order for this stuff to actually work, it has to be habitual. So it has, to, you have to do it. You, mm-hmm. you have to develop the habit of noticing subtle distractions. You have to develop the habit of noticing subtle dullness mm-hmm. before it becomes a problem. Um, in stage four, neither of those things are problems. They become a problem later. But that's okay. So in stage four, you you want to notice those things and you want to react to them automatically. It's not like you're sitting there and me is sitting here driving the thing and making sure that I don't hit any any subtle distractions and making sure that I don't drive off into the ditch of dullness. You, you, you can't be doing that. That's not going to get you out of stage four. Mm. So uh, it may help to try to do that a little bit, but but you know, if you, if you get really mired in gross dullness, then sometimes a little bit of forcefulness is the only thing you can use. But, but generally speaking, what you're trying to do is develop a habit pattern. So, so you react automatically like, you know, when you walk, like, like, you know, when you were a little baby and you first learned to walk, you would stand up and you would fall right down.
3: Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And then, you know, as time went by, you'd stand up and you'd kind of go like, (laughs) and then you'd fall down. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, um, you, you and, and all of that stuff was unconscious habits you were developing. It wasn't like you didn't get really good at watching yourself walk, right? But when you walk, you don't like, you're not constantly like, oh, okay, I need to pick up my foot and put it forward just this amount. Oh, I seem to have overbalanced. That stuff isn't going on, right? What's going on is that you're just walking. And this is how meditation needs to become. This is how, when, when, you've, when you've really gotten stage four down which may not happen actually until you've been doing stage five or stage six for a while when you've really gotten stage four down it should be like walking so mm. so i hope, hope yeah
1: that's, that's really helpful,
0: helpful. Good. Well, and related to that my experience is
4: uh, there's <clears throat> in meditation we all have our kind of bleeding edge um and it's and i would say actually there's there's a conscious bleeding edge i mean what the bleeding edge that we're consciously aware of because we can of course you know even jump up to the highest stages at any moment really but um you know there's there is like a conscious bleeding edge and it's important actually to kind of to accurately know what that conscious bleeding edge um and to kind of have like oh what what are like the techniques to do for that because that's the most yeah. difficult what i noticed that people get stuck what it seems like um they their conscious bleeding edge is like um, a stage or two be, or before what, what they think it is, mm-hmm. you know? So like you're, you're kind of actually almost talking like your conscious bleeding edge was stage two or stage three and stuff. and Or even yeah. sometimes even stage four, but actually like you kind of need to also be aware of what, um, you know, uh, for stage five, I would think. And that's, so, so usually that's yeah. kind of one thing that I frequently do is like encourage people to, you know, sometimes practice some of those things, um, from, from the, the stage that seems like it's, it's ahead. Um, and that's, it's a different approach than, than thinking like, okay, I have to hundred percent master, you know, this stage mm-hmm. before I can even think about like the next stage. Cause if I do that, it's like bad things are going to happen or it's not going to work very well. But actually my experience is that, that, that it works better to kind of, um, in some sense, be, be 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 aware of that sort of bleeding edge, practicing with it, that's that's a little bit what you're um, ahead of what you're normally sort of used to, um, in part because like those later stages also, um, if, if you're able to do that, that also does help you or can help you backfill um, some of the, uh, you know, the stages before, like for yeah. example, like dullness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people start off thinking like, dull- uh, gross dullness and subtle dullness are like two different things. But actually, no, it's it's the same thing. It's just a difference in degree. And the same thing with distractions, right? There's the gross distractions, subtle distractions. It's like, oh wait, no, it's a difference in difference in kind. But no, it's it's just a difference in degree. And actually, like, in order to really, really, really get get good at like uh, mastering the gross distractions, you gotta you gotta you know start start being aware of subtle distractions. And actually even before even gross distractions is like um you know what what's before gross distraction i guess is the the mind wandering and then before that's yep. the forgetting and mm-hmm. so like yeah so you could start off with like oh you're constantly forgetting well okay you gotta you gotta catch it a little bit sooner and then like then you're you're working on the uh, mind wandering right and then okay wait i'm mind wandering a lot not forgetting quite so much but it's, okay i had to get catch it even sooner get the gross distractions and so that's how it goes mm-hmm. um so it's important to not just be backward facing, as in, um, you know, backward facing in terms of the stages, those early stages, gotta got really, really master it. Because in some sense, there's a way that you don't master it again until you get further ahead.
1: Because mm.
4: um, like, you can't master it. You can't, like, in some ways you can't master, like, um, you know, the, the forgetting until you know about the, uh, so it's forgetting. Until you know what the mind wandering, until you know what mind wandering first because then forgetting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Anyway. Does that make sense? What I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like here's the thing. I feel like, um, like I said, like I was continuously aware of the breath sensation and then gross, you, you guys are saying gross distractions are happening, right? Huh? But I feel like I have, I've regressed back to stage three huh? and I find myself employing the same technique and not using the techniques for, um, like late stage three, like following or connecting. Huh? Oh, I, I will, I, sorry, i I guess I'm still using following, but like not really using, um, checking in or, or labeling in because I feel like I, I regressed back to that early stage three where. Uh Kuladasa is um uh, recommending us to do the following and just noticing the aha moment. So I'm guessing um are the gross distractions that happen, I guess, towards the late stage three, are they of different grade than the gross gross distractions that happen maybe in stage two or stage three? Because I've I feel like I've I'm constantly regressing like back. So- yeah
0: let me let me suggest
4: something let's go ahead Gilbert well so one thing that with meditation it's almost like a um revving up of a of a you know machine in a sense Mm -hmm. and 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 as you start meditating particularly the beginning you do want things to be revving up and like even and by revving it's like you're you're progressing up the stages Mm -hmm. um you know we just when you first when you first start sitting sit, uh sitting down like it take some time to, to settle mm-hmm. but that, and that settling is kind of revving up a little bit mm-hmm. and what happens or you know particularly for the longer duration sits you kind of have to keep on revving up or other but if and if you get stuck at like you know practicing the the techniques at a stage that's like earlier than um or or, or even or even not not sufficiently advancing to the um to the next stage like oh yeah you're meeting the like the, the causes and conditions to to start practicing what'll happen is like you just kind of stagnate and then eventually actually you kind of get get tired of that and and then it just mm-hmm. sort of starts going down so there is a way that like you know being able like, i'm almost thinking like shifting gears right like you got to kind of you're shifting shifting going sort of uh, better better and, and it won't always work right sometimes you can't like you try to shift and like it just really doesn't work you know like okay wait let me go down shift but you always do want to um it's important to have that that up shifting in a sense like that Well, you're practicing those techniques from from you know maybe towards your, your your bleeding edge um because then if you don't particularly with the longer longer sits i mean i uh And it's also important to be aware of whenever you're, you're sitting, if you're sitting for, I think you said an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half, like, well, some of that's also kind of (laughs) natural, you know, like uh, it's, it's natural to for those longer sits to kind of in some sense get tired out. Um, Mm -hmm. And actually the only way it's not going to get tired out, if actually you reach, you've got to reach kind of the higher stages, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause um, stage, stage three is definitely less pleasant than the higher stages, right? Than than even Mm -hmm. stage four. And stage four is less pleasant than stage five. I don't know if Ted, you know.
0: So, yeah, I actually wanted, we should should probably wrap this up and let some other folks get their questions answered. But I wanted to to point out one thing that, that what you're saying is is one way that that can happen. The other way it can happen is actually just the opposite, which is um, as you get to, so stage four in particular has this wonderful quality that a lot of things that happen in stage four are just like things that happen in stage two and stage three, except that you have awareness of the breath. Like the breath is actually, you're, 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 you're when you have gross distraction, it's almost exactly like forgetting. When you have gross distractions that go into more gross distractions, that's like forgetting and mind wandering. You're actually in stage four. But um, so, so one of the things that can happen, um, which, I think might be what's happening to, uh, I'm going to say your name wrong, but Chinsu Kim, Kim, um, uh, what might be happening to you is that you're actually progressing and you get to a certain point and 40 minutes is actually a magic moment in meditation practice. Like, like mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for things to shift right around the 40 to 45 minute mark. So, so you're getting to a point where, uh, suddenly your breath is really entrained. Like you're, 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 you've got stability. Mm-hmm. And if you're if at that point your attention starts to shrink, then exactly what you're describing will happen. You'll feel like you have dropped back a couple of stages. Um, and so, so, so this is why I was mentioning those two different antidotes because I think that in particular when you get to that point in the practice, if you start to notice, oh man, I've gone down a couple of stages. Really pay attention to your huh, put some put some effort into into improving your uh, your extrospective awareness. like, mm. And, and if, if you're in a really quiet place where you're meditating and there isn't any sound that you can put your extra, extrospective awareness on, then uh, use sensations in the body. This is stage five uses sensations in the body because now mm. we're trying to go inward a bit. But you can do that as in stage four as well if you need to. So like for me, what I often do is I'll just try to feel like, you know, the, a sensation, like I'll try to feel one of my fingers because that's fairly subtle, right? You, it's, it's, you know, when we're, when we're just like doing work or something like that, it's no problem at all to feel just that, you know, what's going on with that finger. But when you're sitting in meditation, to actually develop enough acuity to feel this finger as differentiated from this one and this one is, it, it increases your mental energy a bit. So so if you don't have any sounds in your environment, you can do that. But, but definitely investigate when you get to this point in your practice where this is happening. Investigate whether increasing extrospective awareness or increasing bodily awareness. If you don't have something extrospective to focus on whether either of those things helps because it probably will. Hmm. Uh, but that said, I know, uh, I think, um, let's see. Uh, Oh, right. Uh, Timmy had his hand up about something. I think Martin, you wanted to say something as well. Um, and, uh, anybody else, uh, Don't feel like you have to wait until a break in the conversation. If you have something you'd like to ask, just raise your hand. There's a little thing you can if you go to the uh, uh, Unfortunately, I don't know. So, so between invite and share. There is a button which for me is labeled manage participants and for you. I'm not sure it's got the same label. But if you look at that button. uh, If you click on that one of your options should be to raise your hand. Um, So it might be in the chat. No, yeah. So see if so if if you want to raise your hand. Yeah, there you go. Lewis has found it. Excellent. So I'm going to claim that Timmy's hand was raised first, and then Martin's, and then Lewis. And anybody else who wants to raise their hand should also do so. Uh, so Timmy, go ahead with your. Thank question. you. Um, firstly, it's it's nice to be back. It's yes. been a long time. Um, Good to
5: see you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think actually a lot of that conversation from Jansu was actually really relevant for me. I've answered my questions, but uh, I'll just share a quick little update of where I am. Basically, just I lost a lot of motivation. That stagnant. uh, I felt like I got very stagnant in my practice, was being less consistent with my sits, doing less duration, less often. Um, And then when I would sit, it would be a bit heavy and dull, and this inertia would develop, and everything was just kind of snowballing in the wrong way which just resulted in me losing heart for the practice. And then when I would practice, it would be very going through the motions, um, no clear benefits, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and yeah, I just um, recently have been putting all the conditions back into place. Coming back to Sangha is very helpful. Um, reading more, listening to a few more podcasts and stuff and doing longer sits and more consistently. So now I feel like I'm becoming a bit more clear again of Yeah, I feel like my practice when I was there was so infiltrated by dhanas and inertia that I wouldn't I wouldn't have any clarity of what was going on and what I should be doing rather than just trying to come back to the breath and then mind wandering for minutes and minutes and minutes at a time and I feel like I'm on this journey now of just trying to figure out what the fuck's going on um, when I'm sitting down, like what is actually happening right now am I actually with the breath, etc, etc um but i think i am moving in that direction and i had a little call with tucker peck the other day and alfie was on it as well and he was just saying man how long have you been doing tmi it's like two years he said what are the benefits you've got you're at stage two right blah blah, blah. couldn't name anything clear and he was just he suggested just shifting things up a lot trying some body scanning for a few weeks i did that the last couple of days for the first half an on my sit just super slowly feeling sensations in the body and i recognized this discrepancy that I'd be able to feel bodily sensations and my distractions were far less frequent just from shifting things up a bit. I'd gotten so stagnant, so heavily. So yeah, just a little reflection that things are slowly clearing up. Um, if you want to say
0: anything, you're welcome. So that it's it's it's. Uh, I wish you'd come sooner, but but it's great that you're here. I'm glad you got that conversation with Tucker and uh, yeah, so so the advice about body scanning actually kind of ties into what I was saying uh, about uh, what Chinsu is going through, which is um, That uh, you probably actually had gotten to stage four ish, but then you would gotten a lot of dullness and you weren't counteracting it. And so doing the body scan is actually a great antidote for dullness. So magically, it feels like your practice is suddenly left back forward to where it was before all of this started so this is a very common thing that people get they're they're making good progress and then they get to dullness and they just can't quite figure out how to deal with dullness and and they don't really identify that dullness is the problem they just think that like there's something wrong with them or you know they you know whatever and so or you know oh my god i slipped back to stage two and and then it's very discouraging and so exactly what you're describing so it's great that you did that and I'm, i'm glad to hear it and please uh you know i know that Life goes on, and, and and it's not always possible. But but you're always welcome to come here, and you're also always welcome. You know, if you ask questions on on uh, our our the mind illuminated on uh, Reddit, uh, you can get quick answers that way. You don't have to wait until Saturday. Thank you. So yeah, so much. So Martin, it's your turn.
6: Can you guys hear me okay? Yep. So I've got a weird question, because I'm, I'm, I haven't really been practicing TMI for a really long time at this point. But I find myself drawn back. So I had like a, I had like a um, pretty long stint where I was just trying out different things. And did some Vipassana recently. Um, And so I feel it's time to come back to more concentration type practices right now. And one thing that was like the major thing that never worked for me with TMI is um, I could like, one way of saying it would be that it's, it feels really complicated. Like, even that discussion you guys had at the beginning with like the super detailed um, analysis of like the different things that could be going on and the different complex sub-parts of the meditation and the stages and whatever. And so one thing that happened to me is I always thought I was in stage two, even though I was actually, so with hindsight, I have learned that that was actually pretty close to access concentration because I'm, I'm there again now and I'm getting into the jhanas and I'm getting into the pleasure jhanas and I, I think I've gotten to fourth jhana yesterday. And so whenever I do, like, uh, so, but it still feels like I'm mind-wandering all the time. And it's really like I can't tell what's happening in my meditation. Like, um, and whenever I try to tell, I get lost in analysis. Like, I really wind myself up with trying to figure out what's going on. So what I've been doing is just sticking with practices that are way looser and have that don't have that systematic thing, because then I won't distract myself with all the um, analyzing and mapping and whatever. But like somehow I have made c- like quite a bit of progress in like the last half year. Like, but it like I never felt like I was making progress, and I was constantly dissatisfied with thinking that I was like hanging around in like stage two to four for like months on end. And now I now I know that that's actually access concentration and I can just jump into the jhanas from there, which is super weird. And I have like, so I guess like um, what I'm trying to ramble on about is how do I do TMI without winding myself up so much and analyzing so much and how do I fix the problem of not knowing what's happening? If, if so that problem is even like a thing I should do.
0: It, this is really fascinating because, um, so to me, TMI is incredibly simple. And I'm not saying that to, to put you down or disagree with you. It's just, it's I think, a, different, a difference in how you're looking at it. When I first started studying TMI, I think that I did think it was fairly complicated. Um, But what TMI really is, is just a set of of, of heuristics, meaning a set of things that you look out for, and when you notice that, you do this. Um, And so TMI at its most simple is just like, what's a trend I'm noticing in my meditation right now? Just pick one. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to figure everything out. Just figure out one thing that seems like it's a thing that you'd like it if it happened less, right? So you talked about mind wandering. Well, uh, so, so if you have awareness, like, like what you're describing, you, you it sounds to me like you actually probably managed to, to flip around the awareness attention balance a bit. Um, so a lot of times when we start meditating, our, our, most of our life is spent in attention and we're like always paying attention to things and awareness is sort of out there and we're not, that's just not really registering that much. And uh, when you meditate, uh, especially when you do certain practices that you may have done while you were taking a break from TMI, uh, those practices can really flip that around so that you're really experiencing the world more through awareness and less through attention. And uh, when that happens, and then you sit down to do TMI, uh, the experience you have is that you're aware of all kinds of things going on, And, uh, and you, you have, like you're describing, like you have access concentration and yet you're totally aware that your mind is, is like really active and moving around thinking about things. And, you know, so, so then, you know, there's two things to do there. One is first of all, the things you're noticing, are they a problem? If they're a problem, why are they a problem? Right? Like if you're, you say that you're having mind wandering and yet you can reach jhana. So uh is that really what's happening? It may be that what's happening is actually just that you're start you're, you're you've got enough introspective awareness, enough metacognitive introspective awareness that you're noticing the the activities of the unconscious mind in a way that you weren't before. And so what feels like distraction might actually just be something that's happening in awareness. It's not actually yeah. your attention moving.
6: Yeah, so one thing that I noticed is so working off the hypothesis that I'm actually getting into Jhana, which I've been talking to like a person who knows, like I've been working with a teacher on that. And um, so I'm working off the hypothesis that I'm actually getting into Jhana. And so the state before that, logically speaking, must be access concentration. Mm-hmm. like, um, And what I've noticed is that state is way more noisy than I thought it would be like, I would have thought that the mind would be a lot more quiet and um, yeah, maybe more focused, more unified at that point, but it's really noisy. And even like, even first jhana is for me, it's still pretty noisy. Like I would have thought it's like sitting in a silent church or something, but it's actually sitting at a noisy bus stop. Um, and I'm sh- like, it like, logically speaking, it can't actually be mind wandering. Like, but it, that's what it feels like. It feels yeah. like super loud, just internal monologue. Um, it's not like a faint whisper somewhere way back in my head. It feels pretty, pretty strong, pretty loud. Um, so that's like the thing. I never know what those, like, I have a really hard time mapping my experience to TMI terminology. And I still yeah. feel like I don't really know what attention and awareness are. Like where like I still can't really like I don't have a clear subjective experience of what those words are. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. So when you're in jhana, um, you're so you're like say you're in you're in first jhana, right? And there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, I mean first jhana is pretty pretty just the jhana itself is pretty is pretty noisy, right? It's like it's like, you know, there's a lot of like really energetic stuff happening. Yeah. Um, and so is there a feeling of uh, a place from which it's being experienced?
6: Um, I've never thought about that, but not not that much, actually.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's it's hard to what you're describing is not unfamiliar to me. Um, And what it uh, what when I think about this, I think about attention and so when you're really in awareness, um, actually locating what attention is can be very difficult. Um, You have to recognize that attention is is just another object in awareness, and and awareness isn't good at localizing things. So whenever you're finding something, whenever you whenever you've s- picked something out of awareness, that's attention. So so like if you're if you go looking for attention, then it's actually kind of attention that finds it, right? Like like and if you go looking for like if you sit in awareness and you're like okay what's happening with the breath, and and an answer comes to you. Uh, the way that answer came to you was that attention went to the breath. So, so you can kind of identify attention that way. If you're really in awareness, attention doesn't have the strong experiential quality that it does when, when you're really in attention. And so you can't, like, like the, 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 the languaging that works to help you to identify attention when you're, most of your experience is in attention is not going to work for you if you're mostly in awareness. Um, attention can be very diffuse. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to localize. So, uh, and I, when I first had, so I did a, I did a, an advice practice that got me to, to, you know, awakening or whatever. And, and, um, and it's so hard to talk about this stuff, but, but that practice totally flopped this over for me. And after that happened, I couldn't do TMI anymore cause I couldn't find attention. Yeah. So, uh, but over the course of what has it been two years now, I've gotten to the point where I can identify attention again, but, but, um, one of the things, uh, to say about that is like, don't, um, like when you, when you try to reach out for something, it's actually attention that's reaching out for it. But, but when you're in awareness, that's not a very satisfying way to access things. And what you really want to do is see if you can just kind of, um, intend for an, for an intent, intend for for a knowledge of attention to arise uh, sort of invite it in like where ask yourself the question where is attention what is attention doing and just kind of like be receptive to what answers come to you rather than trying to push out and, and, and try to find it by seeking it because when you're when you're in this I mean if you find yourself able to push out and find it by seeking it, it's attention that's doing that. And so that's one way to find attention, but, but it's not, that's not very sustainable when you're trying to stabilize attention. When you're trying to stabilize attention, basically, uh, what you're trying to do is get to the point where attention is just not moving. And, uh, and so anything you do that's like pushing at it or controlling it, it's going to make it hard for that to happen. So I'm feeling like this wasn't actually a very helpful answer, but maybe it give, like, or rather it wasn't a very direct cogent answer, but hopefully there's some descriptive stuff in here that's helpful, I don't know.
6: Yeah, it's not, I mean, it's addressing one part of my confusion, but mm-hmm. I feel like the, the bigger question that I'm trying to ask is like, is it worth it for me to try to come back to TMI? Because I definitely see the, all the positive aspects it has, mm-hmm. but it just feels like every time I try to do it, like TMI and my mind just don't get along very well. Yeah. Like, so actually, I, that's I a- all, the, all this progress I feel, hmm. but I like I still don't get all the things that it's talking about, and it feels like maybe it's just not a good fit at this point. So, so would it, yeah. Would you try again, and if so, how?
0: that so. That's a really good question, and actually, I think that there's the the answer is sort of in the question. I don't know if it's what. Kira is mentioning from page 15, but um, you have to have a problem that you're going to try to solve. Um, like, like, what is it that you want out of this? And uh, if, if the answer is, I don't know, then, yeah, there's not much point in doing it because you're not going to be motivated. You're, it, it, one of the things that that really motivated me to push through this this uh, confusion is actually teaching this cl- or teaching, whatever, coming to this this meetup every Saturday, and you know, not really having a clue what stage I'm in, and yet I seem to be able to answer people's questions about their stages, and like when they describe stuff, it always is I always know like like what they're talking about, um, and so so. I honestly have gone through a period of of, of uh, over a year. I mean, at this point, I feel like I'm out of it, but but I've gone through a period of over a year where I really had no clue where I was in my practice. and um, And the reason why I kept doing it was because I wanted to be able to help people with their practice, right? So it wasn't even because I was trying to get something out of it for myself. And I don't say that because I'm like trying to say what a great guy I am. I just like, it's a matter of pride almost. It was like, I can't come to these meetups and not know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, and so, uh, so having a motivation is, is the thing that, that, that helped me to, to resolve this. And if you don't have a motivation, maybe this just isn't the right time for you. Maybe you need to discover the problem that you want to solve that TMI would solve for you. And then you'll be able to do TMI because it'll be important to you because, because really it, when you're in this state where like all the stuff's, I mean, it's, you, you've got all this noise in your mind, right? So, so, so that suggests that unification hasn't happened yet. If that's bugging you, that would be one motivation for, yeah. um, for, for doing TMI. That may not be the thing that you need to do to get unification though. I mean, you should explore that. Maybe it is the right thing to do to get unification. Maybe it's not. Um, you might find at this point that doing, uh, I don't know if you've done progress of insight meditation. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. that's what I'm just bouncing back from.
0: And yeah, how did that go for you?
6: Not well. Um, what, what happened? I I got I got insights left and right, but I feel like I almost broke my mind doing it. Okay. Um, yeah. the The dark night kicked my ass really hard, and uh. I feel like I almost shattered it. So I almost shattered my mind into a million pieces, mm-hmm. um, but I did get I did get good insights and
0: um, yeah <laughs> yeah maybe you should do uh, a totally different practice um, I'm thinking like uh, Lester well, Levinson's technique basically like something that's going to just be because it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm wondering, like like this could be totally the wrong direction or totally the right direction. Um, but you could try just doing some, so Lester Levinson is sort of not, it's, it's, it's like meta practice, but it's not meta practice. Uh, you basically make a list of all the people that you know, like, I mean, and, and over time, an exhaustive list. Like at first, it's like all the people you can think of, but over time, it becomes much longer and because as you think of more people. And you know, the practice is basically, you just have the list in front of you, You start off with at the top of the list and you bring that person to mind, however you can, like just get them into your mind. And then uh, you you form an intention to have love come up for that person, whoever it is, whether it's someone who's nice, whether it's someone who's an asshole, whether it's somebody that you actually love, or whether it's somebody that you utterly despise, your goal in the practice is just to get that to come up. And uh, the practice is a memory hack. The reason it works is because when you remember somebody uh, or something, uh, as soon as you're done remembering them, you rewrite the memory. So, so the process of, getting, of, of pulling the memory up rewrites it. And so if you deliberately have some other emotion when the memory comes up, that's what gets rewritten. And so over time, your memories of all of these people turn into love. And, and the thing that's interesting about that is that it means that experiences of uh, negativity and conflict um, that are right now arising spontaneously in your mind stop arising because you're just not having them. Because, like, whenever you think of somebody, your love comes up. And it, that's not a very conflicted I, I'm not talking about, like, you know, infatuation. I'm talking about, like, you know, the feeling of wanting them to be happy, wanting them to be free of suffering, right? Having that feeling come up instead of whatever else it is, just smooth out the bumps um, and, and when you get into the habit of the bumps having been smoothed out that much, then you may find and I, this is just conjecture. I'm not saying this will definitely happen. I'm just saying this is something you can try. Uh, if you try doing that, you may find that it smooths out the bumps and then uh, when you go in and you're doing your jhana experiences, you hear a lot less noise. Um, and that might address your noise problem without you having to do TMI again. And at some point, you, you may well find that you would like to do TMI again, but TMI, you know, there's a tendency, Dharma geeks, me included, have a tendency to say, well, this is the one true practice. This is the one that's the best, but there is no one true practice that's the best. Different people are different, and it may be that TMI is never gonna be the right practice for you, or it may be that it just isn't right now, or maybe that it is right now, and we just don't know why. So all of these are possible conjectures and it's just a matter of investigating.
6: Yeah, I just feel like it should be the right practice. Don't don't
0: don't do that.
6: <laughs> like <laughs> whenever I look at the book and just like how good the writing is and how much sense it makes and yes. how logical it is and how structured yeah. it is and how incredibly detailed it is
3: mm-hmm.
6: and how many different kinds of problems it solves, I feel like this should work, this is probably one of the best books I've ever seen on anything. Yes. Like, why isn't it resonating with me at all?
0: It's not what? fair. So uh, are you familiar with Shenzhen Yang? Yeah. Did you ever try his do-nothing practice?
6: Yeah, I actually did. How did that go for you? Um, it really solved my problem with getting stressed out about having to find um, problems and solve them. Mm. Like, I really got into it for a while, but I was then uh, sort of like, gently discouraged. Um, because, like by just people I was talking to, because there was the um, I got the hint that it might be too advanced, and I should maybe stick with something more organized for the time. being. Mm. So yeah, yeah
0: it's, so it's kind of
6: the exact other side of the spectrum from TMI.
0: Yeah, well, it is and it isn't. It's actually, I think it's, it's easier to do when you're, at the, when you're at least at stage four. Um, the reason I mention it is because it's another thing that could help you to quiet the, well, quiet the noise isn't the right thing, help you to allow the noise to do what it needs to do so that it can subside, right? Because, you know, another way of looking at that noise is that its intentions are rising, right? So the the, the do-nothing practice is all about noticing intentions arising rising and, and, and not clinging to them so not fo- not 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 insisting that you have to follow every one of them and so so that's another thing you could try just to see like if you do the do nothing practice does the noise happen if the noise happens just like start noticing the noise happening and like like letting it go just let it go you don't have to analyze it you don't have to understand it just let it go and if there's something that needs to be heard it will demand to be heard at that point and you'll deal with it probably i mean it, Again, this is all theoretical. It might work, it might not. But, but in principle, something, you know, as, the, as the, the noise that doesn't really need to be dealt with subsides, the thing that does need to be dealt with that's probably a lot of the energy behind all that other noise may surface and you may have a chance to deal with it. It may also be that, that uh, the noise is just a habit. And there's nothing really serious behind it at all. It's just a habit. And so sitting there and letting it drop as it comes up can be a way of slowly breaking that habit. And it sounds like that worked for you with some of your more gross noise, which which is how I would describe any kind of striving in, in meditation, right? Uh, so if it worked for that, there's a chance it'll work for this too.
6: Okay. Yeah, thanks. All
0: yeah, right. Well I'll so
4: expect-
0: sorry. <laughs> We've got a lot oh. of hands up. Uh, Gilbert did you want to say something more about this or can we should well, we go?
4: just yeah one last thing it's like with with everything that you experience Martin. it's like you you're you're you gotta relearn how to trust yourself and that's what a lot of in some sense what shamatha and uh, you know uh, I say uh, I prefer shamatha than sa- samadhi because you know but the whole calm abiding sort of thing and tranquility um, and you do have to sort of purify and unify the mind, which, in other words, is, is harmonize the mind, sort of to, yeah. you know, being able to let things come, let it be, let it go. But in order that, to do that, there has to be trust. Um, and one way, you kind of have to, you know, make an effort to focus on the positive in sense. And I, and I love sort of uh, Ted's description of, of that that meta practice. And that's, that's, you know, very much a way to do that and a way that I would generally recommend. Um, so, which naturally will um, should be able to kind of help you to kind of put, put pieces back together and, and also soften around some of the harsher edges so that there can be that, you know, like a trust. Because it sounds like there was a lot of, you know, fear, a lot of strong aversion. So it's, yeah, needing to kind of put things back together in a sense.
6: Yeah, okay, thanks. Um... I'll see what I can do
0: all right we've got some hands that went up for a long time so let's get to those uh Louis I think you were next
6: Uh, a more simple question I wanted to ask when you do connecting it says like um, I'm in stage four Mm -hmm. there it says you should do it Mm non-discursive but I don't seem to be able to do that when I do it I automatically start to think ah that uh, breath was
3: shorter than the last one
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean the thing about Uh, connecting is that it's essentially a practice that has to happen in introspective awareness. You can't really do it with attention. Um, If you do it with attention, the way you're going to do it is you're going to try and measure how long this breath was. Remember that somehow, how are you going to do that? I don't know. And then when the next breath comes along, you're going to uh, compare and, or, you know, if if, if you could come up with a number, like I actually, so, so I have, this is a confession um when i was trying to do connecting i couldn't figure out how to measure the length of the breath and i was trying to do it just the way i'm describing where you measure and you compare so i started measuring heartbeats i would actually feel how many heartbeats occurred during the breath and then i could know okay this was a five heartbeat breath oh and this was a seven heartbeat breath so that was longer and that's just like totally the opposite of the practice that is not the practice So um, what you're really trying to do w- with, the, with the connecting practice is just set an intention to notice when breaths are longer and when they're shorter and what the correlation is between your mental state and, um, and uh, the length of the breath. And so it's a long-term thing. It's not something that you can just do in a sit. It's basically what you're doing over the course of perhaps months is intending for this to happen, and you'll notice, like, oh, you, you at first you might be like, well, I think these, I think this breath. I think my breaths are getting longer now, or I think my breaths are getting shorter now. At some point, if you do this over a long enough period of time, this is the way Chula Dasa describes it. If you do this over a long enough period of time, then it becomes ingrained. It becomes a mental habit that's happening in awareness instead of in attention. And at that point, it's like noticing red cars or something like that. You know, like if you if you form an intention to notice red cars as you're driving down the road, at first. You know, you'll notice some and you won't notice others. And after a while, you just get an interrupt every time there's a red car and you're not doing any work. It's just happening. And this is like that. You're, you want this to be something that's just happening in the background. You're not really thinking about it. You have an intention for it to happen, but you're not doing anything. And then it's just like, you'll, you'll be like, oh, the breath is longer. Oh, the breath is shorter. And if you li- if you read the, 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 the Anapanasati Sutta, um, did I say that right? Anyway, if you, if you, if you read the Sutta Anapanasati meditation, that's actually the way the Buddha describes it. You, you uh, the, uh, when he breathes in short, he knows he breathes in short. When he breathes in long, he, breath, he knows he breathes in long, vice versa. So it's a knowing it's not a investigation. It's a knowing. So, so, and, and, and that said, the discursive thoughts are fine. They're just not the practice. You don't have to stop the discursive thoughts. They may be supportive of the practice at first, but ultimately, and, and you know, you may also have discursive thoughts about like what you notice, like, oh, I noticed the breath was long, but eventually that all drops and you're just like noticing non-discursively that this is happening, but you don't have to stop it. It'll just happen on its own. Does that
2: help? That makes sense, yes, thank you.
0: Cool. All right, uh, so Kira, you've been very patient Uh, It's your
7: turn. (laughs) Thanks, Ted. Um, So this is my first time here. Um, I just finished the the DPC and I post on the subreddit as well. Been doing TMI for about two years. Um, So the main issue that I face in my practice at the moment is um, dealing with the energy that comes from stage five. So when I sit, pretty much whatever I do the energy level rises. So I stay at the nose, the energy level rises, I go into the body, it rises even more. Um, So I know what I need to do is go back, work on the stage four skills, because I've been into the the sort of good parts of stage six before I've had the whole body jhana, I've had exclusive attention, but not reliably, those have been peak experiences. And from where I am now, I know that it's not too far away, but I can't quite get there. And it's, it is a case of stabilizing what I've got. The main issue I face in doing that is that um, there's a tendency for energy to get stuck in my face. Um, So however it raises, whether it's just sitting at at the nose the whole session, the energy level will rise and at some point I'll start getting stuffed up in the, the face um i've found various ways to work around it um i've started doing qigong and i've been doing that for a few months and that's been really good like it it feels amazing as a practice and it's it's definitely helped with the issue i asked the teacher there what she would say about how to practice qigong in terms of this blockage um and her advice was pretty much that it's a sign of a purification that needs to come through that it's you know that the throat is is blocked because I'm not speaking my mind, or I, I, something something like this, which I, I, I can see could be the case. Um, it's this it, this is almost sort of catch twenty two situation because I, I, I feel that I need to work more on the stage four skills, but because I've got this, it's quite hard to um, to follow and to connect with any degree that i feel i can make it make it more precise over time so it, it's got a lot better it, the, the whole thing has got a lot better over time uh, through doing qigong and through um like some of the things they teach there um but i've been i've been working in this this area for quite quite a long time and it's um i feel that over time things are getting better but it's very gradual the amount of um diligence and and time i put in so off cushion um my level of perceptual acuity is high and has been ever pretty much ever since i started doing stage five practices um and over time there's also the kind of um, emotional component as well where um like happiness and things are very satisfying very enjoyable even quite mundane things that's happened more and more and the peak of that goes up and up um but there's just this this sort of like small but almost infinite uh, gap between where I am and where I know I need I need to go to um, to, to keep moving forward.
0: So, um, the question of uh, many questions pop up. Um, the first question is, uh, so you said that you've done stage six practices, but they didn't, they weren't uh, highly repeatable.
2: So, so I
0: think what yeah. You- result wasn't highly repeatable right
7: oh yeah so i can um i can feel the breath sensations in the body at Mm -hmm. any time whether i'm meditating or not um just just by thinking about it or if i just do a quick qigong thing i can feel it True. but what 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 tends to happen is that even a small amount of time in the body whether it's doing a stage five body scan or, or stage six like breathing with the body that the power rises like really quickly so I, I don't have the time to kind of um work you know work through part by part and clarify everything um and the power will rise to the point where i then start getting uh gross distractions um okay. so yeah i can do it and it is it is getting better over time so my sits at the moment tend to look like i will spend the first maybe 75% um, staying at the nose unless the energy gets blocked in which case i'll try and drop it down to the abdomen mm-hmm. um, and then once i feel i've got a pretty good level um, of uh, attentional stability then i'll spend some time in the body trying to work through the these problem areas um, mm-hmm. and there's a noticeable difference so if i do manage to do that and scan the throat scan the upper chest scan the face and so on i can feel the energy flowing freely so it's almost um, it's like you know that diagram in in tmi that everyone obsesses about where there's the dude with all the uh, yeah, all that going on yeah that's yeah. i mean that's a very real uh thing in, in in my experience but um when i've had when i have had the sort of some of the goals of stage 6 before it's been when i've been able to get the um the level of energy in the body up to a sufficient point where there's just there's no um there's no dullness in in the body and those sensations are so captivating they're so engrossing that the attention just can stay on them uh and then you go back and then you get exclusive or you can you can get absorbed into it and i'm getting closer and closer to that over time but it's this really kind of slow like slog yeah. i feel that well, th- this issue here is, is is the problem that if i could kind of get past that I could just do more more time in the body and really really get get uh, get cracking so So
4: well so so you're experiencing the fruits of stage seven like a purification that's exactly what it is and it's very very common for these things to come up and be like oh wait there's a problem. I'm doing something wrong. Let me go back. Let me do another practice. Let me do, you know, focus on stage four. I got to build up because no, 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 you're, you're doing stage six perfectly well. Right. And then so stage, but, but this is in some sense um, can be a hard lesson, not so much for the conscious mind, but for like the unconscious mind, because like, you know, this thing, this stuff comes up or something wants to come up and something else strongly is blocking it. Right, and that's you know it, it is a blockage, um, and and I say this not not like oh yeah you gotta you just gotta push through that blockage right and just like you know push through hard no 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 that's actually that's not the case, um and actually what you're saying about things getting better over time that's that's good that's good, um but the one thing I'm just wanting to do is to reframe right like that in some ways, actually what you might, what a part of you can think is like the problem <laughs> is is actually, that's part of the process and it's needing to to face it, um, you know, spending some time, not not like you have to, you know, not like you have to force yourself to face it and like, oh, I'm gonna deal with this blockage right here, right now, but no, like, okay, um, I do know this is a purification type thing. I have to spend some time Sometimes just sitting with the blockage. Yes, you you can you can do different little strategies to try to move the energy, but don't get too focused on I have to move this energy or or even I have to make this thing go away. Um, my experience of it is that there's just sitting with it and practice on relaxing around it, relaxing through it, letting it be, trying to really give it permission to let it be and um, it will it, it kind of unfolds right and then things can move gently and um and and yeah and that's the process of working through um mm-hmm. and it is good it, it, it's it's good to have these other um techniques and stuff that you can use as like a um you know or, or conceivably you can use them as, as almost like a, a a break in a sense like okay yeah the sitting meditation a little tense let me let me go walking or something or standing and um potentially right but it, it does depend on I mean I think you'd have to get a lot more details about what you know how exactly you're doing it but but yeah like it is um I I generally would recommend like meta being uh you know meta or even just spending time like walking in nature or just yeah there are what things that you can do that um yeah, for some people many people that that just it's not where you're not trying to really do so much it's more just let it be let it go you're focusing more on that
7: yeah so on on that subject um i I, like i've done meta in the past and i really like it um i i was doing meta at the start of the year and it was um it was causing problems because even a small amount of meta would uh the energy level would so high that um off cushion i was starting to get like pretty distressing um phenomena like at work sitting in a meeting feeling like like just stuff going nuts um and i'm gonna like spaz out you know, like, um and stuff like that so i i kind of gave that a rest because it just didn't it didn't feel healthy uh, at all um but one i i'm i'm not like a hundred percent sure that it is this purification it might be one of the things that does make me think that is that when i do breathe with the body and then i come back to the nose um when i have had exclusive attention before there's this sort of feeling before it comes in that your things are sort of going and you're almost like on a roller coaster and you're trying to hold on and then you break through and i get that feeling beforehand now um but then i don't quite break through i'll suddenly get distracted and like, oh, it will be something big. So I'll just start kind of opening my eyes and And then I'll be like, wait, uh, and come back. So I think there's like some kind of aversion to, to going all the way with it. Um,
0: can I just point out something really simple here? What is the practice of stage seven?
7: Um, it's sustaining Sustaining exclusive attention until it becomes effortless, is that right? It's effortlessness. Okay. Um, what,
0: effortless, what effortlessness means is not that it becomes effortless. It's already become effortless. And, and that's actually what you're describing. It's already effortless for you. You don't have to do anything, really, to get this energy. The energy is happening on its own. Uh, you already have effortlessness. What you don't have is letting go of effort. Um, and I think... One of the things that you may, uh, I would suggest that you explore this and just see what happens. Uh, one of the things that you may find is that if you, first of all, uh, if you if you try to let go of effort. I think you'll find that, that, that you can um, But I think it may be that some of these blockages that you're feeling are actually uh, intentions to control the process and really stage seven is about letting go of intentions to control the process. You have intentions for what the process can do, 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 but the process really isn't in your control. And yeah. part of getting through stage seven and into stage eight is letting go of, uh, uh, just letting, letting go of trying to be in, in control of the process. There isn't really somebody to be in control of the process, and so doing that winds up just. Just being hugely problematic and creating, and all the things you're describing. I mean, so so the end of stage five is that when you sit, your energy level is is higher than it was when you sat down. That's mastery of stage five. You already have that. You're already done with stage five. Stage six. It sounds like you know maybe you're done with it, maybe you're not, but it kind of sounds like you've you've gotten some degree of mastery of stage six. So I would seriously explore um, just sitting and trying to do the practice. And when I say trying that's highly ironic, sitting and trying to do the practice without, um, without trying to do anything. Just have an intention to, uh, to sit and, and for things to flow naturally and for the attention to remain on the breath and then let go and mm. wait until something changes. And, if, uh, and, and what you'll probably find is that, you're, is, is that the energy very quickly builds and runs away and you wind up in um, some kind of flow state that's a little bit alarming. And part of what you're going to have to do when that happens is not uh, try to control it because uh, the trying to control it is what makes it, you know, like, like energetic and and scary. And like, like I'll I'll give you an example from my own life. When I was, uh, when I first met my wife, we uh, wound up going on a vacation and uh, uh, at some resort where they had a trapeze. And one of the things that you could do to entertain yourself at this resort was to to climb the trapeze and get on the thing and swing and, and slowly learn to control, like, and stuff like that. So, like, I am very, very head-oriented. I have a tendency to control things. And so I, I got, a, I was doing the trapeze thing. I climbed all the way up to where the thing is. You have to climb up, like, 45 feet in the air or something like that, and there's this trapeze. And so I had my hands on the trapeze, and they're like, okay, now let go and, and swing, I let go. And it was like the worst thing I had ever experienced because I was completely out of control. There was no control. I was just in free fall, <laughs> just swinging. And it, was, it scared the crap out of me. And, um, and I, couldn't, I, I, I couldn't get myself back. I, I, I couldn't let go of, of the need to control. And so in order, to, um, in order to, to, to stop it, which is what I felt I had to do, I let go of the trapeze and landed on the net and kind of hurt myself because I was going kind of fast. And so this is the the practice of stage seven is learning to be on that swing and not freak out. Like you're okay. You're just you're you're on a swing. You're not gonna fall, nothing bad's gonna happen. It just feels bad. And you have, to, you have to let go. And so that's like, for you, from what you're describing, I suspect that you may find that, that and it's, of course, it's, this is just an analogy. It's not the same. But, but I suspect what you may find is that if you start letting go, if you just say, okay, I'm going to not do anything. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I, my intention is that my attention will be on the breath for the next however long. And I'm going to do nothing about that. And just let go and let that happen and see what happens. I think what you'll find is that the energy level actually builds and that you find yourself in access concentration. It may not happen immediately, but from the way you're describing things, this sounds like where you are. Uh, yeah. And you may find yourself in a jhana and you're, the challenge when you find yourself in a jhana is to not try to stop it.
7: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, what, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me because it, it, it does feel close both um in terms of the phenomenology of what what happens in that Mm -hmm. even if i just stay at the nose i'll sometimes get to the point where the whole body is just so clear and then the joy starts rising um but also i've been working in this zone for like a lot a long time now and there have been a lot of like dead ends and stuff like that and there is just this sense of there's lots of things that are right and then there's something that's not quite right. And once I work out what that is, then yeah, I'm kind of but, say, yeah, so, it.
0: Yeah, one of the things that 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 you need to learn at some point to to really, particularly when you have an experience of insight, this tends to either be a result of it or the cause, seemingly the cause of it, is letting go of the idea that that you're going to figure it out. It's mm-hmm. not that it's not going to get figured out, but there's there's a certain surrender that has to happen, and so like there's a part of your mind that already knows what the problem is, and and that's part of what you're sensing probably yeah. it already knows what the problem is it probably already knows what to do about it, and so really part of what you need to do is just allow that to happen as opposed to trying to figure it out because it's you don't have to
7: yeah and i've, I've had 've had experiences of um just suddenly knowing through, hmm. through awareness, yes. through intuition, what I've been doing wrong. Yeah. Um, and and it, I found the process of having these kind of discussions quite il- uh, illuminating in that regard, because often I found even before I go and uh, speak to a teacher, like say if I go and post something on Reddit or when I was doing the DPC, almost just by mulling it over, I suddenly think, actually, what problem do I have? Like, I know the solution to this. I've just yeah. been yeah. thinking about something else. So yeah, I'll try that. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're welcome. Uh, so we still have, a, you know, another fifteen minutes if folks want to. Um,
4: I, I have a quick question for Kier. Yeah, you had uh, a technique for when, when this blockage shows up in your face that, to move it downwards. Uh, can you tell me a bit about what that what that technique is.
7: Um, sure. So, like, I I've I've only been doing qigong for quite a short period of time, but um, they place a lot of emphasis on, on the abdomen, and they call it the Dantian, and on um, the feeling of storing Qi uh, and sinking Qi. So you're, you, you you spend time, uh, I'm translating this into TMI terminology because that's what I've had to do when I go to Qi Gong. I can't go in with beginner's mind. I'm like, okay, yeah, I see what we're doing here. Yeah, um, they'll ask you to, as you're moving, uh, kind of check in. Uh, With the feet, spend a little bit of time putting your attention on the feet, and then on the abdomen, and then also on the the crown chakra and the hands, and so on. And then at the end of set of movements, you um, you put your hands with the uh, these energy gates in the hands in the in the system. You put them over the abdomen, and then you uh, you visualize um, the energy sinking sinking down into and and being stored in in the abdomen so that's kind of broadly it um but generally i've found that if it gets too much there then just going moving the attention to the abdomen for some time and and really taking it easy there and just kind of letting it settle down it, it can it can go down but it's, yeah, it, it's not it's not super reliable at the moment. That that works in the short term, and then what I found in is is in the long term is is being able to scan and breathe in those areas, and they get more sensitive, and then you, there's the feeling of it it flowing freely like constantly throughout the day. But it, it's it's weird stuff, right? <laughs> not in Canvas anymore when it's doing these things. How
6: did you get into Qigong? Did you read a book? I,
7: I just did a class nearby. Um, someone I know through, through TMI, he, he said, oh, yeah, that, that class looks good. So it's super, it's super basic. Like it's a normal class. Um, it's been an interesting experience in, in some ways because they, there's people there who've been doing it for years and they'll, you'll do these exercises and then they ask you to describe what you're feeling and people say, yeah, I can feel kind of tingling and you can tell that they really want to feel this stuff. And I'm like the opposite. I'm like there's all kinds of nonsense going on, like it's crazy. But I don't really say that, so I'm just like, mm, yeah, it's pretty relaxing. Um, because I don't want to be like the weird, the weird guy in the class. Like, it's...
0: maybe maybe that's why your throat feels blocked. It, it could be. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> Jolt. Um, on that topic, I was. I didn't feel like I needed to mention this to Kira because I don't think it's really what he needs. But um, but one thing that I found that I've gotten a little bit of juice out of is just like if I notice that there's energy this kind of trapped somewhere, just put my attention somewhere else, not with an, any intention of changing anything, but just just like don't let that be where my attention is. And so like for me, I find it very easy to feel the muladhara chakra. You know, that's the, the root chakra. Um, and uh, so... Uh, so I just put my attention there. And what I find is that is that um, Doesn't always happen, but but sometimes the, the 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 energy will start to arise elsewhere in the body as well. It's not so much that the blockage goes away, but that I just get more sensitive about everything else that's going on. And then a flow starts to happen that wasn't happening before. So you, you might try that and see if that helps you
7: I, mean, no promises. I didn't Moving my attention somewhere else for like quite a long time uh, eventually makes the pain. It feels like everything just
4: calmed down.
0: Uh, Rodrigo, you have your hand up.
2: Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. It's interesting when I was having trouble with efforting in stage four. One of the things that I've noticed is some kind of blockage in my nose. It feels like, it feel, felt like uh, tension was building in my nose. And one of the things that I've tried that worked was moving my attention instead of paying attention at the, bre- the breath of the nose. I started paying attention at the breath at the chest or at, at the abdomen. And that helped a lot uh, ease that tension in the face. And I don't know to this day if there, there was an energy blockage or anything, but I've noticed that just changing my, my, my focus from the nose to the chest or abdomen for a few weeks, it, 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 it really helped easing uh, that, that. What might have been a blockage, I, I still don't know. Just commenting.
0: So do we have any more topics left? Scott. <coughs> You're a bit muted. Here you go.
3: And your microphone isn't working. Ah, uh, can you Oh there you go. I'll turn it up a little bit. Can you hear it okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I went to uh, retreat. And, um, basically forgot everything about TMI, but I'm getting back on track. Um, but, uh, basically we worked on the four elements, um, mm. uh, I guess, I mean, he called it basically looking for sensations. It was a Goenka retreat. Yeah. And, um, and I'm just continuing to work on it. Um, like last night I woke up and I was like, like, I'm starting to notice a lot more like, uh. Like subtle sensations, just being alerted to them, like not looking for them, and like sometimes they're really strong. Like I woke up this morning and uh, was like really itching, like on, on my like face here to do it. That is that is that pretty common, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like you're think about like you know when you when you put your hand on your skin, like the detail of sensation when your attention is on on your hand on your skin. Um, that all of those sensors, there is, they don't have an on off switch, right? There isn't like some little switch that gets flipped that stops you feeling those sensations. So that stuff is happening in your body all the time and your mind is filtering it out. That's the only reason that you're not like constantly being driven nuts by all of this stuff, right? It's,
3: it's that there's a filter. It really does drive me nuts. Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, so, um, so the challenge, so, so once you turn on the Goenka practice, uh, this is also true of TMI. If you're doing stage six, you'll have the same experience. These practices t- tend to turn off that filter. And then uh, that can be really beneficial for things like having insights and stuff like that. But the downside to that is the filter's gone. And so you feel these sensations. And so one of the challenges that you have to face when you're, when you're at this stage in the practice is um, uh, there's a tendency to feel aversion for these sensations when they come up. And so one of the things you can really Beneficially, practice at this point is just noticing that happening. Uh, Because when you start to notice that process happening, you'll start to develop a sense of humor about it. And at some point, the aversion will stop coming up. So, like, I've definitely had this experience of like, so for me now, actually, I I do the opposite thing, which is like, to me, when these itching sensations come up, when like all of these like stupid things that the brain is normally filtering out, I'm like, yes, the practice is working. And so that can be a helpful, like, like, uh, Counterpoint to the tendency to see it as bad, uh, but yeah, it, it is uncomfortable.
3: Okay, yeah, you get. I get kind of excited because, um, like I'm like, yeah, yeah I did notice it because, I, I spend um several days sometimes with, like, just noticing very subtle sensations in parts of the body. I have a real trouble with like the chest, the torso area, mm-hmm. like just in shoulders. They're just like no, but besi- and I think I was like. Um, he told us like not to write off like um, you know the the like, the feeling of like your, your shirt against your chest and stuff like yep. that. Don't don't like just discount that because it's not like subtle or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's like a real blank area right now. But
0: yeah, that's that's it's it's actually not uncommon for people to find blank areas like that, and there's often some kind of uh, uh, purification associated with that that's that hasn't happened yet essentially. So, um, one thing you can do is, is, uh, uh, this is particularly good. Once you've actually done the scan and gotten the energy level up, just put your attention on that area and just wait patiently and don't, don't have expectations, but just have an attention to feel whatever comes up, um, and see what happens. Now, if what comes up is like overwhelming, then maybe back off because that could happen. But, um, but you can do that. And, and it, it, you know, it, sometimes people have actual nerve damage that prevents them from feeling sensations, but that's relatively unusual. I mean, I actually have nerve damage. I had surgery up here and there's a certain area of my skin that I can't really feel, but I still get sensations there. So even if you have nerve damage, it still doesn't prevent you from doing that practice. All
3: right. Thanks. Appreciate sure. it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, we're getting close to the top of the half hour, but uh, anybody else wanna bring something up before we close? Okay, um, well, it's really great seeing you all. I hope that I will see you again, and I hope that you had fun or got something of value out of it. Um, and uh, I have been lax on putting the report recordings up, but I will attempt to do that. Um, This week for sure. So, see you all next week.
2: Thank you. Bye. Bye.